Hey, welcome. So our subject is pretty sticky today. It's one that, I don't know, it always gets people uncomfortable. It certainly makes me feel uncomfortable to talk about it. But I feel like we have to because there's so much church hurt out there. Or at least there's so many things that people perceive as being church hurt, and they use that in so many different ways, whether unhealthy or healthy. I think it behooves the church to start talking about these things openly so good people can at least learn how to approach church hurt in a healthy, responsible, godly way. And so today I'm taking on a really tough topic, one that's been been popular at RyanAFrench.com from the original article, and it's really a question. It starts with, have you been hurt by a pastor? And then I want to give you eight reasons you should stop talking about it. So if you've been hurt by a pastor, I'm giving you eight reasons you should stop talking about it. All right, so we're going to get down to the nitty gritty of it in about 60 seconds. We'll be right back. Stick around. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm really glad you're here. Appreciate your listenership, your support, your prayer, especially. Today, we're talking about the nitty gritty subject of church hurt, in particular, pastoral church hurt. We might could say ministerial church hurt. Maybe a minister has hurt you. And if you're listening and someone has hurt you in some way, and I mean real hurt, I'm going to define that in a moment. I want to convince you that This kind of church hurt, really church hurt in general, whether it be from a saint or a pastor of any kind, isn't something that should dominate your conversation. It's not something you should talk about all the time. It shouldn't be something that that you jump into, especially with your kids, with strangers, certainly not with unbelievers, and it really shouldn't be something you focus on with believers in general. Now, could you have a mentor, something of that nature? Of course, there are situations where it would be appropriate for you, uh, perhaps your new pastor, your new church family, uh, the, the leadership there. You certainly shouldn't be talking about it with the saints, but uh, with the leadership there. But even, even that, even with leadership, once you have dealt with it, it's something that should be let go of in your spirit. It's something that needs to be moved on from. And I want to preface that I'm a pastor, and pastors have hurt me. I know when you hear a pastor talking about something like this, you think, well, it's very self-serving. You know, they're a pastor, and of course, they're sticking up for one another. No, that's not what's happening here. I I have been hurt by pastors. I've been hurt by ministers. In fact, the most painful experiences in my life have come from other pastors and other ministers, and not just when I was a pastor. Uh, when I was younger, I grew up in a preacher's home. Uh, my dad's a pastor, and I grew up in that environment, grew up around pastors and preachers. I saw my dad hurt by pastors and preachers. And I understand that church hurt does exist. I know it's there. I've, 
I've felt it acutely in my own life. And so I'm talking from experience, but also from the wisdom of knowing that if you dwell in that hurt, if you constantly keep that hurt at the forefront of your conversation, it will do more harm than good. It'll do more harm than good. Thankfully, my dad's the real deal. He believes what he preaches. Uh, he's the same at home as he is behind the pulpit. And so even when I saw men of God fail, when I saw men of God who didn't uh, measure up to the expectations I'd placed for them, I saw my father serving the Lord faithfully. And so that was a tremendous blessing for me. I know not everyone has that benefit in their life. So it can be especially damaging when a minister or a preacher or a pastor harms you and falls from grace and you see that they're not everything they claim to be. However, you have to remember, just because someone claims to be a man of God doesn't mean they're a man of God. Many pastors um, probably should not be pastors. That's a hard thing to say, but it's true. And when you realize that, the wrong response is to say, well, there's no good men of God out there. That's not true. There are. Just because someone sells you a fake diamond doesn't mean there aren't real diamonds out there. There are real diamonds out there. In fact, just knowing that you have a fake diamond means there's a real diamond out there somewhere. There can't be a fake. There can't be a forgery without a real deal. And so if you've been let down, if you've discovered that a preacher, a pastor, a someone in your life was not the real deal and it harmed you, maybe even maybe even almost killed you, just know real men of God do exist. There are good churches out there. There are spiritually healthy environments out there. And I'm sorry, genuinely, I want to say I'm sorry for any pain that you might have experienced. And we've all experienced church hurt on some level. And let me just talk about that for a moment, because I want to be clear, I'm not talking about church hurt that isn't really church hurt. What I mean by that is the the they didn't shake my hand kind of church hurt, or or they didn't recognize my potential kind of, that's not really church hurt. Those That's just life happening. Petty grievances are not really church hurt. If someone if you, if me, or anybody, if we're easily offended and every little thing causes us to be hurt, that's not really church hurt. That's just something in our own personality, spirit, that needs to be taken care of, that we need to mature in. And many people call things church hurt that are not church hurt. And it's actually, it's actually hurtful unkind and unfair to people who have genuinely experienced church hurt. When people have these little petty grievances and they say, oh, the church has hurt me, that's that's very unfair to people who have truly been hurt by, by an individual. Also, let me say, I'm uncomfortable with the word church hurt. I know I've been using it a lot, uh, but that's because so many people use it. I feel like I have to. Everyone knows what you're talking about when you say that. But the reality is this. The church, biblically speaking, is the body of Christ. It's the hands and feet of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. The church will not hurt you. An individual who is operating supposedly within the body, but probably is a wolf in sheep's clothing of some kind, 
If that individual or group of individuals have hurt you, that's not the church. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is never going to hurt you. A person might have hurt you. People who claim to be Christians might have hurt you and done wrong, maybe lied, but they're not the church. So uh, I'm a little uncomfortable using that term, but I understand why people do. I also want to say that I'm talking about legitimate situations. See, I feel the need to clarify so much here. I'm talking about legitimate situations where a pastor or minister was blatantly, maybe even chronically hurtful, sinful, or harmful. I'm also not talking about leadership differences or style clashes or minor judgment lapses. I believe in pastoral authority and apostolic boldness. I'm comfortable with receiving rebuke and correction from a spiritual leader. And I'm not easily offended. I'm not hard to please. And I'm not phased by the reality that pastors are fallible and very human. Again, I'm a pastor and I'm fallible. I'm capable of making mistakes. I do it all the time. I try to put it under the blood and ask the Lord to help me to do better. I know my own shortcomings. So it's easy for me to cut preachers slack. But even with all of that, I know that real spiritual abuse does occur. I know good people do bad things. I know bad people masquerade as good people. Jesus repeatedly warned us this would be common. Everyone makes mistakes. Some preachers change. They start off good. They start off sincere. And over time, they secretly morph into something else. When these things happen, it's only natural to want to tell anyone and everyone who will listen to you. I know it's tempting, but that's precisely what you and I should not do. I'm not advocating sticking your head in the sand, seek godly counsel, deal with the problem, keep a good spirit, put it in the past, and keep it there. Like Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 3, 13, and 14. So have you been hurt, disenchanted, disappointed, harmed by a spiritual leader? If so, you're in good company. Jesus was crucified because of the influence of religious leaders. And yet, it was Jesus who admonished us to forgive and move on. Let's jump into eight reasons why I think we should avoid reliving these experiences in our conversation. Number one, it will produce, maintain, and enhance a dangerous root of bitterness in your heart. Bitterness is one of those terrible things that will destroy you and turn you into the very thing that hurt you in the first place. Hurt people really do hurt people. That's a trite saying. And it's a trite saying for a reason, because it's so true. We can unintentionally become the very thing that hurt us. Abusers produce abusers. The abused become abusers. It happens all the time. It's bitterness that causes that. Bitterness will push us to become things that we would otherwise not be. 
And so if we want to be pure and we want to keep a right spirit and we want to have the kind of personality and relationship with God that is good to others and good to ourselves, then we must bring out the root of bitterness, destroy the root of bitterness, get it out of our system, pray it out of our system. Whatever we have to do, we have to keep bitterness out of our hearts. Whatever you've got to do, whatever you've got to do, I'm telling you, if you have to fast, if you have to pray, do whatever it takes to get bitterness out of your system because it will destroy you and it will destroy people you love. Number two, it plants unhealthy seeds of distrust in the hearts of the hearers. Quick analogy. I respect police officers. I believe that most police officers are honorable people. However, I've had an extremely bad encounter with a police officer who was supposed to serve and protect. I, I don't like to dwell on that one experience because I want my children to respect police officers. Will there be a day when I explain to them, hey, listen, there's a few bad apples out there? Yes, but that will never be my primary focus in conversation with my children because in the grand scheme of things, I want my kids to honor and respect police officers. When it comes to spiritual leaders, I'm even more careful. I do not want my family, I don't want unbelievers around me, I don't want fragile saints around me to live under the impression that most truth-preaching pastors are bad because of a few sinister truth-preaching pastors out there. If I constantly talk about pastoral church hurt, or someone that hurt me, I create an environment around me to the people listening to me that constantly tells them, this is how the world is. I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on the good that's out there so that they can have trust where they need to be able to have trust. Number three, it's not possible to move forward safely when you're always looking backward. Another analogy, as a kid, I had this weird habit. I really don't know why, but I liked to run and I would run uh, pretty fast, but I would look backwards. I'd look over my shoulder while I was running. And because of that, as you can imagine, I would run into things all the time. I'd be running, 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 boom, and trip over something, running, boom, there's a tree. It was terrible. And uh, it caused a lot of pain. It's the same when you frequently talk about past church hurt. You destabilize your present and you endanger your future. Looking back while you're trying to move forward is almost impossible. You will constantly trip. You will constantly get hurt. You'll relive that pain over and over again. And unintentionally what happens is you become incapable of moving forward in God you become incapable of living in your present because you're totally immersed in the past looking backwards. It's a terrible thing. Don't do it. Number four, often and sometimes without realizing it, we talk about such things with a desire to cause harm to the perpetrator. This one is understandable. I understand why we would like to be able to say things that produce some kind of consequences for the person or people who hurt us. That's human nature, but it's not what God instructs us to do. Regular rehashing of church hurt goes against everything Jesus teaches us about forgiveness 
and loving our enemies and those who spitefully use us. God doesn't give us the authority to exact our own brand of revenge on people who hurt us. Revenge is the Lord's. That's what God said. And also, often when we talk about people who've hurt us constantly, people get to a place where they tune us out, and we actually make ourselves look like the bitter, bad person. In other words, we cast ourselves in a bad light, well, and we think we're casting someone else in a bad light. Don't fall into that trap. Just forgive and move on. If you do have someone that you can talk to, uh, a pa- your pastor now or uh, a good, godly, spiritual mentor in your life, it's okay to talk about it in that kind of a setting. But to be doing it with a motive uh, is very, very dangerous. So be very careful about that. Number five. The constant rehashing of pastoral failings can create a lingering distrust towards good spiritual leaders in your heart. I think this one is the most important one. Despite human flaws, every single human being needs a pastor. If you're not careful, you'll become so distrustful that you will never allow a godly preacher to have apostolic authority in your life. If that happens, the devil will have accomplished exactly what he set out to accomplish in the beginning. It would be a tragedy to allow past hurt to keep you from having the good godly covering of an under-shepherd in your life. You need a pastor that you can submit to, that you can love, that you can trust. You need to find that man of God and allow them to speak into your life. What I have seen over and over again is people who were genuinely hurt and I'm not I'm not discounting that pain in any way neither am I saying what what a preacher did to them was acceptable no I condemn what that preacher did however the hurt individual never allowed themselves to heal many times they kept the wound open by talking about it and because they kept that wound open so long they eventually fell away from God because they weren't able to trust a pastor. This is heartbreaking. Don't let that be your story. Number six, often people who consistently dwell on ministerial failings use those failings as their primary excuse to justify their own bad decisions. Okay, so in other words, they excuse their bad behavior because of the bad behavior of a finite human being, a pastor, a preacher, or a minister. Listen, our relationship with God should never be destroyed because of a minister's wrongdoing or anyone else's wrongdoing for that matter. God doesn't cease to be good just because a man or woman hurt us. Wrong doesn't become right just because someone else loses their mind. David exemplified this beautifully in the Bible. King Saul was out to kill him. And when David had the chance to take King Saul's life, he refused to touch God's anointed. Notice, David didn't let Saul kill him. He removed himself from the situation, but he didn't try to get his own revenge or sink to Saul's level of bad behavior. And this is what many people do. They say, well, he did wrong or she did wrong, so now I can do wrong and no one can say, no, no, no. Wrong is still wrong. Sin is still sin to God. Just because a pastor might be sinning doesn't mean we get to sin. 
doesn't justify anything in our lives. We continue to serve the Lord. We continue to do the right thing. Like David, if you have to, if you have to get out from under that, that dangerous place and you may have to hide in a cave for a minute, you might have to get yourself to safer ground. That's okay. Sometimes that has to happen, but don't sink to Saul's level. Don't sink to Saul's level. Look what happened to Saul. Saul wound up losing his faith, backsliding. And at the end of his life, he had to go to a witch and create some kind of seance because he wanted one more word from the man of God in his life, Samuel, the prophet Samuel. Don't let that be you. Instead, have a spirit of David. The spirit of David will allow Nathaniel to come in. And even when David had sinned, Nathaniel was able to speak into his life and David was able to find repentance. Okay, number seven. Number seven, we've already alluded to this, but it keeps the wounds fresh. It keeps the wounds fresh. There's no hurt like spiritual hurt. It can be devastating and earth shattering. Really just if a leader lets you down, whether, whether it's a spiritual leader or, or an earthly leader, whatever kind of leadership it is, when leaders let us down, it's, it's just incredibly painful. But talking about it over and over again keeps that pain from healing. It's like constantly picking at a a sore or pulling a Band-Aid off over and over again. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Leave it on the altar and let Jesus mend your broken heart. Let God heal you. God wants to heal you. God loves you through that pain. In fact, you went through that pain for a purpose. Allow God to reveal that purpose to you in prayer so that you can move forward and be stronger than you were before. Number eight, and this is my final point, it might invite the judgment of God into your life. I know this one's going to rub some of you the wrong way, and I've wrestled with this concept myself. On the surface, it simply doesn't seem fair that my improper reaction to someone else's sin could bring judgment into my life. But let me, let me give you this. One of the strangest biblical accounts in the entire Bible is the story of Noah becoming indecent. He was naked and intoxicated. He was drunk shortly after surviving the great worldwide flood in Genesis chapter nine. When Ham, his son, saw his dad naked in his tent and drunk, he cavalierly talked about it with his brothers. The text indicates that Ham had a demeanor of condescension and disrespect for his father, for a man who had found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man who was in a temporary state of terrible failure. When Noah's other sons, Shem and Japheth, realized what was happening, they did the right thing. They took a garment, they walked backwards into their father's tent to cover his nakedness, and then they didn't talk about it. This wasn't denial. They weren't avoiding the problem or living in la-la land, but they had enough respect for their father's godly past that they would not approach the situation lightly or contemptuously. Ham and his descendants labored under a God-given curse from that day forward because of his disrespect for Noah. When dealing with the spiritual failings of a genuine man of God, our demeanor matters. This is so hard, but it's so true. Be very, very careful when you start trying to harm a man of God with your words, even if he's in a state of sin or a state of failure. 
Ryan, are you saying that I, I need to just be submitted to that abuse? Absolutely not. Get out from the abuse. Cover it. Cover the nakedness. Get out of the tent. Move on. But do not, do not take on a demeanor of contempt or a demeanor that says, I want to consistently talk about this. God is not pleased with that. All right, now, I know there's going to be a lot of feedback on this one. Let me give you a little caveat here at the end of this episode. What I've talked about today is not referring to false prophets, false teachers, or those who knowingly peddle false doctrine. The Bible clearly admonishes us to expose and rebuke those kind of people as needed. Neither, and this is very important, neither am I minimizing the pain that can come from a spiritual leader's failings. Many people like David have been wronged through no fault of their own. I also realize that many people incorrectly perceive wrongdoing because they're rebellious or unteachable. That's another issue for another day. And also, I want to say this for the record. I do not endorse allowing a minister who is in sin to remain active in ministry. I love you all. Let's pray through our hurts. Let's pray through trouble. And let's serve God until the coming of the Lord. I know commercial breaks are frustrating, but I do want to pause and let you know you can financially support this apostolic Pentecostal programming by giving as little as 99 cents a month. You can give $4.99 a month or even as much as $9.99 per month by going to www.anchor.fm forward slash apostolic voice forward slash support. Also, please consider giving this podcast five stars and a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us out in the search engines people use to find podcasts when you give us a like and a review. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for your support. God bless. Fear not. God is for you. Fear not. God is with you. Fear not. Someone here today is making decisions, life decisions that are vital. And you have fear in your heart because you're afraid you're going to make the wrong decision. Throw up your hands right now and ask the Lord to help you. The Holy Ghost is going to give you direction. The Holy Ghost is going to guide you. You don't have to make that decision in your own wisdom. You don't have to make that decision on your own. The Holy Ghost wants to lead you and guide you. Some of you are in Christ today and you're suffering from a broken heart and a wounded spirit through no fault of your own. And you feel like joy and happiness and peace will never come again. I rebuke that lie in Jesus' name. And I tell you that the joy of the Lord is going to flood back into your soul. Happiness is going to fill your heart again. Peace is going to cover your mind once again. Peace is going to fill your home once again. Peace is going to fill your home once again. Because you're in Christ. Because you've been faithful. Some of you are fighting battles admirably.
you're fighting as hard as you can. You're courageous, you're strong, you're doing the best you can. But the Lord wants me to tell you to stop fighting so God can step in and fight for you. You're exhausted for no reason because you're fighting battles that God wants to fight for you. You're climbing mountains that God wants to move out of your way. Lift up your hands and claim it right now in the name of Jesus. I'm speaking to someone right now. You're climbing a mountain. You're climbing a mountain. And your efforts are admirable. But God doesn't want you to have to climb that mountain. God wants you to step back and let him move it out of your way. So that you can walk in peace and safety. Me. 